This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, what up? We are back with another episode of You Can't Guard Me. Uh, it's been a busy, like, really busy month and a half. New home, uh, preparing to have, you know, a kid coming in. Um, I'm excited. It's a boy. It's a baby boy. Uh, we pretty much settled on the name. I'll tell you guys about that later on. Uh, maybe on the pod, maybe on Twitter. I don't know yet. We'll see. Um, uh, if... If you guys have been paying attention, I think most of you know what the name's going to be. I don't know. It's not going to be Anthony. That's for sure. Uh, She wanted it to be Anthony. Kind of want the baby to have its own identity. And uh, I think that's going to be the best route. And I also wanted a name where um, I wanted it to be somewhat unique, but at the same time... um, at the same time, I didn't want it to be where, like, you can tell, like, oh, is this baby black? Is this baby white? Like, we don't know. Like, I want it to be one of those names where you don't know until you, like, show up. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to jump right into it, man. I'm not going to waste you guys' time. A uh, few things. Uh, when it comes to myself, when it comes to me personally, uh, at times I'm a bit arrogant. As you guys know, a bit, you know, a bit cocky with my knowledge. I think I know everything. But at the same time, I I come out and I apologize when uh, when I was in the wrong and maybe at the expense of someone else. I forget when this was, man, but uh, like a year ago, like a year or so ago, I was uh, tweeting with this guy. I'm pretty sure his name is Ian on Twitter. It's not I-A-N either. It's like E-I-A-N. Um, I was uh, tweeting with Ian, and he was like, hey, you should watch some of these video game guys. And, you know, I, you know, me being my snarky self, I was like, I'm not going to watch people play video games. And he said, well, you should do it. You could do this and that. Then I repeated pretty much the same exact thing. And um, I'm here to apologize to him. I'm here to apologize to him because that's like one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> um, I, watch, I watch mutual funds and I watch stocks all the, like... I'm not going to say I'm like sitting here on my phone looking at them, but I pay attention to nothing more than mutual funds and stocks uh, pretty much all day. And um, 
I tweet quite a bit, but at the same time, uh, I'm a busy, busy dude. May not come off like that, but like I don't really have a big circle of friends. I, I don't really talk to a bunch of people. Um, so like, you know, I'm very meticulous about how I go about my day. Uh, I I have about three or four meetings per day. Um, outside of that, I'm looking at the market, seeing what's going what's going on, looking at trends. Um, legislation, looking at that, seeing what, you know, what different things are impacted uh, just by if Trump says something, whether good or bad, positive, negative, that's really not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in how that's going to impact certain market movements. Uh, So in case someone calls me and say, hey, what's going on? Uh, I'm pretty much well-versed with what's happening. Outside of that, I go on like I'm not a I'm not a huge car guy, but I love going on to Auto Trader maybe like once a day. It's like this weird thing where I'm looking at cars, looking at SUVs, looking looking at what's going for what, looking at what's coming out new in 2020 and what's coming out cool and you know all that stuff. So, I'm doing that. When it comes to TV, uh I mean, it's a really chill time right now. Like, there's not, there's not, you know, sport. I mean, there's baseball, but I'm, I'm sorry, that's just not my thing. Love playing it. Loved playing it. In terms of watching it, no, I'm, I'm good on that. Uh, World Series is pretty cool um, because you know tensions are super high, but you know, I get nothing out of a regular season MLB. Um, so when it comes to TV, like, uh, you know, Netflix, um, big SpongeBob guy, loves South Park. But when I get home, I go right to YouTube and I watch Nick Merckx. He's a beast. I watch um, this guy named Deller. He... <laughs> he he rages like a crazy person. Like he'll die and it's all his fault, but he'll go nuts and start breaking things. He's hilarious. Um, I watched Nick A30. He's a cornball, um, but he's really, really good. Um, I watch um, Cash Nasty only when he's only when he is reviewing something that. This guy named Flight does, like this guy named Flight, he's pretty good on 2K, but terrible bas- basketball player in real life. And um, and this guy would go out and play other YouTubers in one-on-one, and he would lose almost every time. And uh, so I just want to ap- apologize to Ian for that. You know, it took, what, three, four minutes for that apology, but... Yeah, I do apologize to you um, because I'm doing exactly what you said to do. More so more so for the entertainment factor, less about, you know, getting better. But but yeah, one of my favorite hobbies now um, is to um, go on my computer, do some work. And in the background, I'll be checking out. Nick A30, or I'll be checking out Mercs, or I'll be checking out Deller and what those guys are doing, because it's just pure entertainment and hilariousness. So, 
apologies to you. Okay, moving on. Going to get right into it. We're going to go over a few things here. We're going to go over Michigan and Michigan's schedule. Then we're going to go over uh, Big Ten East and Big Ten West and why, you know, how it got so lopsided and why it's hitting the way it is. So we're going to go through each game here. So we got Michigan versus Middle Tennessee State. And what we have here is probably going to be a blowout. So I'm going to just chuck it up as a win. Army, a lot of people are worried about Army. I don't know why. They're not going to sneak up on Michigan. All right? They're not going to. They snug up on Oklahoma. They had struggled in two games prior. So I think Oklahoma was kind of sleeping coming into that game. I think, you know, the secret's out. So. I don't really see that happening. I got that as a win, and I'm not really worried about anything with them. Uh, At Wisconsin is going to be an interesting game because just like last year was a huge game for Michigan to come back and, you know, beat Wisconsin due to them uh, losing to them the previous year. Pretty much the the same thing is going to happen with Wisconsin this coming year. I mean, they have this game circled. It's the third game of the year. They have it circled. They just took an L last year in embarrassing fashion. It was a freaking blowout. Um, and it was a part of the revenge tour. I'm pretty sure that they have that have that picture of the Grim Reaper knocking at the door. These are college kids. They take that stuff to heart. And I think that's going to be the same thing for um, Penn State, too, in a few games. You know, those are going to be huge. Those are going to be huge, huge games where... Um, you know, Michigan is going to have to really play very, very well in order to escape some of those games just from the emotion and the focus that those teams are going to put in knowing what happened the previous year. Um, I still think they end up winning that game. Next up is Rutgers win because they're trash. Next up is Iowa. Iowa, I mean... (laughs) Michigan, man, so I don't think they played last year, but the last time they, uh, last time they played Iowa, I'm, I should have researched this prior, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the last time that they played Iowa was that in 2016 when, when, uh, we totally blew that game. If it is, I mean, I mean, we owe them a, we owe them a whooping because that destroyed that destroyed our season destroyed I honestly believe I honestly believe if we win that game and then we lose to we lose to Ohio State the way we lost like overtime last play of the game super close game um I'm pr- like, don't we? Wouldn't wouldn't we have gone to Big Tens? I think we we uh, would have. Please comment after this to correct me. But we could have gone to Big Tens, and then we win that game versus whoever it was. It wouldn't have mattered because they would have got smacked. Um, and then we probably go to the CFP. Kills kills like ninety eight percent of the jokes out there. That should be a win. Illinois. The Brandon Peters game, 
that should be a win. Illinois is not going to be very good this year. Pretty much West Rutgers. Um, Penn State at Penn State, another team, another team who pretty much got embarrassed last year, who's probably going to be looking for blood at this point in time. Go Franklin. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know, he's, you know, who do they have at quarterback? And they don't have a quarter Like, their quarterback left for a reason. <laughs> like, don't look at it as the next quarterback transferred out. They don't have anybody. Look at it as, wow, their next quarterback was so shook that he decided, you know what? I'm not going to play that much this coming year. Let me go somewhere else. I'm not going to play at all. I'm not going to be the first string guy. So look at it more like that. The way that Penn State recruits, they recruit on a very high level. They got guys. Trust me, they have guys. They recruit uh, not as good as Michigan, but they're right there. They are right there. Maybe, like maybe, I mean, like they're on the same tier in terms of recruiting. So just like Michigan has guys, so does Penn State. I have that as a loss. Loss to Goat Franklin. Uh, it's going to be a night game. I know that there's like, there are like seven and six or like 500 in night games. But end of the day, I just think that that's going to be a tough one to come out of. And then we have Notre Dame that following week. I think Michigan regroups and that's going to be a win at home. They go to Maryland. Uh, uh, I'll talk about this later. Uh, pizza's ready. Oh. Uh, I'll talk about this later, but um, Maryland recruits okay, but I also see that as a win. Uh, Michigan State at home, we play them you know, much later than we usually do. Usually we play them in like October or late September. We got them in November this year. Um. It's funny. I was uh, talking to a Michigan State fan earlier today, and he was <laughs> he was saying how he never knows how good or bad his team is going to be coming up, and that's pretty much my sentiment. and And I'm pretty sure he pays attention a lot more than I do. Um, and I could also add on to that. I mean, there you know you never know how good or bad they are. Even at the end of the year, they're usually never as bad as their record indicates. They're also, you know, sometimes not as good as their record indicates. I've said plenty of times in 2015, they won 12 games. I think they were like 12 and 2. They were, you know, (laughs) they were like a play away from being a 7 and 5 team that year. And just like their three and nine season, I mean, they got you know they've just tumbled downwards all the way. Were they a three and nine caliber team? Uh, no, not even close. Not even close. So Michigan State is always an anomaly. They always play close. They're gonna have a very good defense coming back. Um, probably you know probably top three defensive line. I don't think they're three in the nation. Uh, they're going to be up there, though. They're going to be a great, great team, and they'll be, and they'll keep a lot of games close because of their defense. 
it's going to be interesting to see what Gaddis does, especially if, uh, especially with this new offense, he has to get things on film out there. But at the same time, like I am totally okay with him hiding seventy percent of the playbook. He could win eight or nine games this year solely on what they did last year. Run the ball, manage the clock. You could win a lot of the games by double digits easily. If you could win these games without showing your hand, I will be thrilled. I will be amazed. If you want to like hold a certain playbook for certain teams, please do that. You know, I don't want to see oh, I don't want to see the whole play playbook open up against Iowa. I don't want to see the whole playbook open up at Maryland. Like I want to see what happens against Michigan State against a very good defense and Ohio State, a very good team who's very, very talented, the only team that is more talented in the Big Ten. So Michigan State, home, got that as a win. At Indiana, a little bit of a trap game, uh, also a win. Indiana does play Michigan pretty pretty tough, but I do have them at at a win there. They'll probably win by like seven or ten points. Roughly. Um, biggest game of the year, as you guys know, is going to be home against Ohio State. Um, you know, this sounds very homery, but, you know, I think this is the year that they do get that done and people are going to roll their eyes. But, um, you know, there's consistency coming back for once um, and there's less questions, more, you know, get things done. And I think with the offense and the defense and what happened last year, we're 62-39. I mean, you could say 62-39, end of the day, uh, it is, uh, you know, it's, that's, you know, it's, it's 23 points. You know, 62-39 looks really, really bad. And it was really, really bad watching it, but, you know, I think they do get that get that done this year. I do believe that. Uh, Michigan gets a chance to uh, to get to Indianapolis. Think they will tie. I think they will tie either Ohio State or Penn State. Um, no, no, not Penn, Penn State. I think Penn State will end up with with two or three losses in conference. I think that um, Michigan is going to tie Ohio State and uh, and be able to go to. Indianapolis and hopefully win to get a shot at the CFP. Um, other scenario I have here is if you know Michigan goes into the Ohio State game at eleven and zero, and for some reason, I I can definitely see Ohio State going into that game with two losses in the conference. And I can see Michigan going to Indianapolis no no matter what. It'll feel a lot better if oh if that's a win versus Ohio State, but the a loss wouldn't sting as bad knowing that there's still a Big Ten championship in front of them, and a shot at a CFP as well too. If you go and if you win the Big Ten at twelve and one, beating teams like Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. You know, hopefully Michigan State stays up in the rankings too. You're you're gonna be you know you know go five and one versus the top twenty teams in the country. Um, 
at 12 and 1, you should be able to uh, bid yourself in for um, a CFP berth, whether that's going to be as a three seed or four seed. So, tough schedule, man. Tough schedule. You have, what, one, two, three, four. You have, you know, six, six ranked teams in the preseason in the top 20. And you have Army, which, you know, which has that, you know, weird, quirky offense. It's really annoying. Then you have Indiana. You know, that's a that's a very trappy game. And Indiana has played Michigan very, very close in the last few years or so. But I still believe that Michigan can go through the season 11-1 and with a chance at a Big Ten championship and a CFP berth. I just don't want them to play Florida again in some bowl like I'm I'm I might not watch. I'm I legit might not watch. Unless it's a CFP game, I legit might not watch if they play Florida again in like the Orange Bowl or Citrus or whatever it is. So which kind of takes me to the next spot. I mean, very tough, very tough, tough conference. The East. The East is tough. But like, you know, how how did it get to this point? So I went back on 247 and I looked at a few things. It comes down to talent and it comes down to how these guys are recruiting. So when it comes to the Big Ten West, Nebraska is the only team in the last three years that's including 2019 so 2019, 2018, 2017, they are the only team even coming close to recruiting on a Big Ten East top three level, top four. Um, you know, you have 2019, Michigan was number one in the conference. Penn State was number two in the conference. Ohio State was number three in the conference. You're going to see a trend coming up here. In 2018, Penn State was number two in the conference. Ohio State was number one in the conference. Michigan was number three in the conference. 2017, Ohio State was number one in the conference. Penn State, number three. Michigan, number two. 2016, Michigan, number two in the conference. Ohio State, number one in the conference. Michigan State, number three in the conference. Fourth place there was Penn State at number 20 in the country. So you had four teams from the same division uh, ranked in the top 20 nationally um, in 2016. Michigan was number eight. OSU was number four. Michigan State was 17. Penn State was number 20. Um, 2015, I mean, again, Ohio State was number one. Penn State was number two. Michigan State, number three. And that was like, I think that was Brady Hoke's last year. Bad season. Dude got fired. And Michigan still, with their talent, their talent average was like around an 87, I believe. I believe that was higher than any Big Ten West team. Which is wild, which is wild to me. 
And also, you know who's done a decent job at recruiting? Maryland has. Maryland in 2018, they were ranked number 28 in the country. They're ranked number 28 in the country. 2017, Maryland was ranked 18th in the country. Makes you wonder. They are trying so hard to keep up, but they can't because they're in this gauntlet of a division. You put Maryland out west, they win seven or eight games every single year. Just from a talent standpoint. Just from just from just from talent. Nebraska's the only team who comes close, like I said. 2019, they were 18th in the country. And I believe they were 23rd in both 2017 and 2018. Why is the Big Ten East? Why is the Big Ten East? Why why are they the four best? Why are they the four best? You know, there's a reason why they're the four best teams pretty much every year. It's because they recruit at a higher level than everyone else. Michigan State's kind of dropped off in the last um, couple years. But you can see it on the field. You can see the talent. Like, it's, it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, Iowa and Wisconsin, those coaches do a good job at coaching their kids up. You know, great job. But at the same time, you know, sometimes that talent just overwhelms any type of scheme that you decide to put out there. Sucks, man. If they want to even this thing out, I mean, you like they should really switch Penn State and Purdue. Like Penn State and Purdue should switch. If those two guys switch, I think it it balances out a lot. It balances out a lot. It keeps the Purdue Indiana rivalry. Nobody's really a Penn State rival. I mean, like, who's a rival in the conference of Penn State? I like. I think. I think Maryland tried one year, but I mean, like, that's not really a thing. So, Penn State should be out west. I know geographically it doesn't make sense, but at the same time, I mean, neither do these divisions. They don't make sense at all whatsoever. Penn State should go out west. Purdue should should come east. I mean, it just it just makes the most sense. Easily. It should happen, but won't happen because the Big Ten just wants to be lopsided. The Big Ten just uh they just want to kind of do their own thing, which is com- completely fine. Which is fine. So usually, usually um I read over the I read over the mailbag questions like as I go, but I peeked I accidentally peeked at the very first question and um and it was a great question and it and it and it had me thinking so I did some research. Uh the first question I got was from Rick Moody. Uh, you think Jawan 
is going to reel in any of these big fish. If not, <laughs> how screwed are we? So there's 10 names, 10 names, 10. T-E-N. There's 10 names that I've done research on. And there's 10 names that you sh- that you should be highlighting and you should be very mindful of when they come up. Okay? First name. If you guys want to get a pen and paper or you guys want to take some notes, I'm a, I'll, I'll give you about five seconds. <clears throat> All right. Ten names that you should have highlighted or you should put a box right next to it. So write a name, put a nice size box next to it. So as time goes, you can either put an X through it if they commit somewhere else or takes Michigan off of their top or put a check mark that they committed. Ten names. First name. Isaiah Todd. So I'm going to say these names first. Then I'm going to go through each one to like kind of give you the feedback on pretty much where they are. First name is Isaiah Todd. Ranked number 11 nationally. Number two power forward in the country. Isaiah Todd. Next name. One of the more popular names. Popular. Popular. That's just my accent. Popular. One of the more popular names. Namari Burnett. Namari Burnett. I feel like I'm running a spelling bee right now. Namari Burnett. The number 22 nationally ranked player in the country. Number five combo guard in the country. You guys got that? Namari Burnett. He's a Chicago kid. Chicago kid. He's pretty close with uh he's pretty close with uh Juwan. And he should be alright. Next up we have Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler. The number 15 player in the country. The number three center in the country. All right, next we have Lance Ware. Lance Ware. Number 39 kid in the country. Number eight power forward in the country. His name is Lance Ware. All right, next up we have 
Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson. He's, he's out of DeMatha Catholic. Out of the WCAC. Probably the best Catholic basketball league in the country. Out of the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Hunter Dickinson. He's the number 30 player in the country. Number 5 center in the country. Next up, we have Scooby Johnson. Number twenty, number one hundred twenty-two nationally. Number twenty-two power forward. Next up, we have Henry Coleman. Henry Coleman is number thirty-eight nationally. Number seven power forward. A little bit undersized at 6'6", but he's a solid player. Number 38 nationally. Number seven power forward, Henry Coleman. Next up, we have Jamin Brakefield. Jamin Brakefield. Number 32 in the country. Number five power forward. Next up, we have Josh Christopher. Uh, He's one of the, uh, he's another one who you guys should know about, Josh Christopher. He's number nine in the country. He's a top 10 prospect out of Cali. Um, Number one shooting guard in the country. Very, very good ball player. Also, we here we have Jaden Springer. Jaden Springer. Number 12 in the country. Number three shooting guard in the country. So that should be the 10. That should be the 10. If he can get two of them. Two, call it a success because I think there's five available. One of those is going to Zeb, Zeb Jackson. He's a top 60 player, um, I think number 10 shooting guard in the country. He can really hoop. I think he's, uh, I think he's a guy that you can also put on the ball uh, as a bigger point guard, just a bigger scoring point guard. He's explosive. Uh, he's getting taller and taller every month, every time uh, I check him out. Great player. One, So, you know, I think there's five spots. So, Zeb is one of them. The next one is going to be Jace Howard. Uh, I believe, yeah, so, so Jace is Howard's son, is uh, Jawan's son. Jace was recruited by, I think, Northern Illinois, San Diego State, and I think Dayton. And he's he's going to commit to Michigan. It's only a, 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 like a matter of time. So you have Zeb, you have Jace. 
If you can get two of these dudes, if you can get two of these ten, if you can get two of these ten, and then get a fifth guy from somewhere, whether that's, you know, a kid who transfers in and walks on, uh, who has been showing out in practice, whether it's uh, a transfer coming in, I don't know. But if if he could get two out of these ten names, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. There are some that are more far-fetched than others. So, like, Namari Burnett, Michigan has a shot. Michigan has a legit shot. Um, he's down to Michigan, Alabama, Louisville, Oregon, and Texas Tech. Uh, that's a great list to, to be on. Um, you know, that's, that, is, that is your ideal top five that you would want as a Michigan fan. Oregon has some of the best recruiters out there. So does Louisville. Uh, Bama has Nate Oates now, so he's going pretty hard. Nate Oates is a huge Midwestern guy. So I'm pretty sure he's he's uh, going at Namari pretty hard. You know, Jawan's got to be able to pull some of those Chicago roots. And as much as he no, Michigan has a shot with Namari, I'm gonna go the other way with someone who, like these are. This is not the top five you want to see. So Isaiah Todd, number eleven in the in the uh, country, number two power forward in the country. His final five are Michigan, then it's Memphis, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that Michigan doesn't have a shot. But, I mean, if there was a line of, ugly, of, a line of like, hot people, Michigan would be, like, the ugly one. <laughs> if, that's, if, that's the, if that's the top five, um, Michigan's going to have a long way to go. Best thing is just to get them on campus and just fall in love with the college, the university, the facilities. And don't tell me about... Michigan's facilities are state-of-the-art. Duh, so is like 80% of high major Division Ones. Like, they, we, they all got the same thing. They all have state-of-the-art facilities. They all have state-of-the-art academic. They all have state-of-the-art, you know, the uh, athletic center. They all have state-of-the-art gear. They all, they all have it. It's just a matter of, who you're going to fall in love with? Does the staff do their job? Kid, Lance Ware is going to be between Kentucky, Michigan. I mean, he's, I think that's going to be a, be a uh, Kentucky guy. The, the nice part about seeing Kentucky on a lot of top five lists, they can't get everyone. Fortunately, they, they can't. I know they churn out a lot of one and dones and two and dones, so... They always have scholarships opening up. They're not going to sign a nine-player class. So if they're on a top five list of someone, it's not always a bad thing. Just always keep that in mind. They can't sign everybody. Um, but he is a hard Kentucky lean, in my opinion. Walker Kessler, really skilled big guy. I think he's leaning Duke. So if they don't get him, you know, go with Hunter Dickinson, 
who was a Notre Dame lean right now. I think that um, that's one school. That's one school where they don't have the facilities like Michigan does. Um, you know, Michigan has a lot of freaking students. Notre Dame is like eight or nine thousand. It's like a little, like if you take a, like if you, if you take Grand Blank multiplied by three, that's how big it is. Like it's not very big. Um, but if he wants to go to like a bigger school, you know, Michigan's right, right there. Also in the mix is Purdue. And he has Florida State's right there and Louisville. But Notre Dame is a hard lean right now. Um, he should be visiting campus. And I think uh, Michigan does have a shot, a shot there, in my opinion. Uh, Scooby Johnson, I think he wants to stay closer to home. Not sure Michigan State has offered him yet. But I hope Michigan is still on him because he's someone who's not going to be a one-and-done guy. He could probably be a three- or four-year player. And those are the types of guys that you need to have a championship squad at some point. You need that consistency to keep the core real, real tight. Uh, Henry Coleman, I believe he's a Duke lean. He also has Ohio State, NC State, and Virginia Tech. Ohio State has this dude named Ryan Peden. Hell of a recruiter. Hell of a dude. I hate Ohio State, but I love that guy. Um, You have uh, Josh Christopher. Josh Christopher, uh, he's probably going to be a one-and-done guy. One-and-done guy, and um, I think he's going to go to Kentucky. Kentucky or UCLA. UCLA, I believe, just picked up a commit today from the number one point guard in the country. I think he's like a he's like he's like six five. Um so he's gotta share the rock with with that dude. So I think Kentucky's gonna be a little bit harder there. Harder to beat, but get him on campus. Who knows what can happen. Another guy, Jaden Springer, number 12 in the country, number three shooting guard. Uh, he's got NC State, Maryland, Tennessee, and North Carolina. Uh, probably picks North Carolina, but I also see Tennessee right there. Once again, get him on campus and see what happens. All we need is two. All, all we need is two. Because, look, we, look, we have Zeb. We have Zeb, great. Um, Isaiah Todd, no, not, not Isaiah Todd. Zeb, great. We have Jace Howard coming in. Um, you know, not sure if he's going to be able to play right away, um, but that's two of the that's two of the five spots available. So if you can get two of the last three spots filled by one of these dudes, you're looking really good. You're looking really really good. Um, you're looking at one, maybe two, five stars, a four star in Jeb. Jace, when the new rankings come out, they'll probably put him as a two or three star if he chooses to commit. That's just how that goes. Um, and then give the fifth to whether it's a transfer coming in or someone who's just been busting their uh, tail in practice. So two of those ten names, um, Mission's got to have it if they – if they don't, I really hope that they do have plan B and plan C. 
Um, and I really hope that they're not paying too much attention to someone who's not a shot when that attention could go to someone else who would really love the school. So let me get to the rest of these questions. So uh, Rick, that was a great question, man. I do appreciate it. All right, Matt Blunk asked, let me see, who was the best sniper in Fortnite? Outside of me, um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, who do I play with? Logan thinks he's good on the sniper. I'm not sure. Kyle's okay on the sniper. So are you, Matt. So um, do you think Langford returning can actually make MSU worse? Um, that is a good question. Langford returning, I don't think it can make MSU worse. But I think Izzo had one of his best coaching jobs last year because he had to coach. He didn't have the, he didn't have the talent to not coach, if that makes sense. I think in 16 and 17, he kind of led his guys. Well, hold on. 16, 17, 17, 18 seasons. <coughs> I think he kind of let his guys, you know, just kind of hoop and play. Took some things for granted. I think he overcoached at times. And I think last year, uh, Langford getting hurt. And Ward getting hurt are you know two of the best things to happen to that team, because now Izzo had to really look at coaching and he really had to scheme, and they had the perfect setup. They had the perfect roles, just lined up. You had Cassius, who had heavy usage and he did a great job on the ball. You had McQuaid, his job was the was three and D. Um, make threes and guard the other team's best wing player. Um, Aaron Henry came into his own to be kind of that second wing scorer. And then you had Kenny, Kenny, uh, Kenny, Kenny Goins uh, play, and he became a 3 and D guy. And you had Tillman, who really, Izzo played him as a four He's at now a five spot. So Izzo was forced to play a more modern lineup. And um, and yeah, that and that just spelled trouble. If he if he comes in next year and puts Tillman at the four and Julius Marble at the five, then he's gonna have a repeat of 16, 17, 17, 18. He he needs to keep the he needs to keep the lineups more modern. He needs to be able to um, manage his talent because he's going to be really talented. He has Langford coming back. He has Watts. Uh, he has another shooting guard coming in too. Like He has a lot of talent coming in. How is he going to deal with the minutes? You know Who's not going to play and is, is he okay with that? Um, are the players okay with that? Does he want to please everyone type of deal? Um, it could be, I mean, 
the more talent for him doesn't necessarily mean it's a it's a good thing. You only need five to start and two or three to play. But if you have nine or ten talented guys who are ready to play, you know, how are you going to manage how are you gonna manage that? And having a quick leash early with freshmen isn't always a good thing. Sometimes last year he let Aaron Henry play through a lot of mis- a lot of uh mistakes. And he did that because he couldn't sub him out for anyone. You can't sub out Aaron Henry and put in Foster Lawyer to make a point. I mean, he's not trying to lose games. Um so yeah, make him worse? No. But it's gonna but it's gonna put Izzo and his staff in a position to where they really need to take a step back and really see, you know, who's is gonna help this team win. Um and yeah, and who are we who's gonna be unhappy with less minutes? Another question you asked was which is more difficult winning national championship in football or basketball? Okay. Which is more difficult? Winning the national championship in football or basketball. I think each of them have their own difficulties, which makes them both very, very hard. Let's start with football. So in football, it's not an even playing field for everyone. So that's already tough. That's already hard. There's four spots and five big-time conferences. That, I mean, that that still doesn't make sense to me. So you're telling me because I go, you know, 10 and 2 on the year, I play six ranked teams, highly ranked teams, but this team over here went 12 and 0. They played one team ranked number 23. They get to go to the CFP just because their schedule is doo-doo. I mean, that it just it just doesn't make sense. It's not an even playing field. Um, not a lot of games to base things off of. It's not like college basketball where you're playing 30 to 35 games. And then based off of that huge sample, you could really see head, you know, head to head matches and all that. And you have 68 teams that can get in of the like 350 something that's out there. So what was that like, like roughly 20 Twenty percent ish, a little bit less. Eighteen, nineteen percent. Like eighteen, nineteen percent of teams get into the national, get into the NCAA tournament in basketball, when only like six percent get in for the FBS. So it's a different playing field. You really have to be more conscious about your scheduling. Because the committee looks at losses, I believe, first. And then from there, they may look at strength of schedule if there's like three teams like back to back to back. And I think it really helps them that they're allowed to re-rank teams every single week. Like starting in like, like that starts when? Like end of October, early November when they start that. CFP ranking thing. I don't know when they when they start that, but that helps them because you can't just come out at the end and say, "Oh, this is what we were thinking this whole time." We see what they're thinking this whole time, so it's a bit tougher. If you lose two games in the first five games, you're not 
going to be in the CFP. If you lose a non-conference game to, if it's Michigan, if you lose to Army on some fluke play and then you run the table 12-1, and you're probably not going to get in. If there's another 12-1 and team who, say, lost to USC or they lost to uh, Oregon, like that Army loss is huge. You lose that game, there's no CFP. Now your goal is, okay, let's just win the conference, get into a great bowl, and let's see after that. Why is it difficult in basketball? It's difficult in basketball because so many factors come into play. Like, you can, I think, out of the last 10 champions, eight of the years... If you had flipped some of the one seeds and two seeds around, um, there would have been a different national champion. And it's all because of the route of which you have to go through. Um, like in 2018, Michigan got you know a very favorable route because there were some ups- some uh, some upsets happen. Now you're not playing a team as good. Now you're playing a team that. Um, you know, when they play your style of play, there's no real advantage for them. So it's tougher from that standpoint because you have to get the right path to get to the to get to the final four and the NCAA championship. It's easier on the point that you're in the dance. You're in the dance. You have to win four games and you're in the final four. So it's easier from that standpoint. I think they each have their own difficulties. It's really hard to say which one is more difficult than uh, the other. They're each very, very tough, pretty much on the same level. Um, but I will say that the NCAA basketball, they do give they give the right teams access to the championship, unlike other teams. They'll be more even. <clears throat> they will be more even and on the same plane when they go to an eight team an eight team playoff where they take the five champions of power five. You guys are gonna say, yeah, but what if Northwestern beat Ohio State last? Like, then they get to go. Like, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say. If you win your conference, you should be able to go and play for a national championship. Like, I don't like, I don't care if a team didn't win a non-conference. If you win your conference, you get an at-large bid. You get to go. And then you have two AQs. You have two automatic qual Not automatic qualifiers. I mean, you have five automatic qualifiers from whoever wins the conference. Then you have two at-large bids. So outside of those five teams, who are the two highest ranked people based off of the CFP, then you take the highest ranked group of five team as well too. Um, now there could be a situation where there could be a situation where the where the you know two at larges, you know one could be from the SEC. The second team could be a group of five team. And I think from there, you can either go with the group of five or you can just go with the next highest team 
no matter what, because the group of five slot has been taken care of. And I'm pretty sure the group of five will like two teams in there. Um, but until it becomes uh, a larger tournament, I can't really say. Um, is Juwan going to get Kessler, Burnett, and how badly does Michigan need one of those five stars he's recruiting? Uh, back to what I was saying, two out of those ten guys I mentioned, Isaiah Todd, Namari Burnett, Lance Ware, Walker Kessler, Hunter Dickinson, Scooby Johnson, Henry Coleman, Jamin Brakefield, Josh Christopher, and Jaden Springer. Just get two. Two, minimum one, and you're not in terrible shape. Uh, is Neapolitan ice cream one flavor or three flavors? It's three. 100%. It's three flavors of ice cream. I don't know how they get it to look like that, like in the box, like in the little tub. But it's definitely three. I don't know how they like organize it so it's like perfectly in like three different compartments. It's pretty weird. Sonic Cheesy Toss, best food ever? No. No. Chili Cheese Tots are really, really good. I like it. Um, especially when Sonic actually has chili. Is Army a trap game? I went back to that. No, because they kind of showed their cards against Oklahoma last year. Michigan knows that coming in. I think they'll be fine. Plus, I've heard that Don Brown has come out and said that they that they spend every practice, whether it's 10 to 15 minutes, on Army. And they've been doing that since last spring. So I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be um, well-prepared, and, and they should be able to win that game quite easily. Um, do we need to close the deal with more than one of these top 20 types in the next two classes to believe our new ceiling of the program that recruits like Memphis at the least and UK at best is in sight? Um, new ceiling. I mean, if, if you could just get back to beeline ceiling, I'll be fine with that. I mean, you know, beeline's bar is really freaking high. You know, you have to get to that point. Before we start talking about anything else. Um, when it comes to like recruiting. I mean. Beeline did a really good job. For someone to. For people to say he's not. He didn't recruit very well. And then be upset at how many players leave for the NBA. Like, like that doesn't make sense to me. He needs to recruit better. Gosh darn it, why is everyone leaving for the NBA? Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it does not make sense whatsoever. He's probably sent the most shooting guards and wings to, to the league in the last five years more than anyone else, not including one and dunce. More than anyone else. Guaranteed. Guaranteed, it's wild. Um... Another question here. Let me see if I can get to it. How do we judge whether the current dynamic of interest given received from five stars is a new norm? Meaning Juwan is the real deal and is uniquely able to recruit at the top and after low from hiring a higher profile NBA guy or something in between. The current dynamic of interest given received from five stars is a new norm. Well, you have well you have to know that Beeline did go after five stars. Like he is it's not like he ignored them. 
But as much as we're trying to learn, I'm trying to learn too. Um, If I knew his philosophy and we're about one or two years in, you know, I'm not giving you 10 names. I'm giving you like four or five because I'm like, yo, looking at this kid, he'll be great doing this. Looking at this kid, he'll be great doing this. I'm giving you names just based off of how good they are. I don't know how is it, how it's going to fit in the system. So, Beeline, yes, he did go after five stars, but he went after kids who fit his who fit him. Whether you were a five or four star or a three star, he was like, I can see you doing this. It's not even about what you're ranked. It's not even about how many stars you have. It's about how does this person fit Michigan basketball. So it's cool. It's cool that we're going after these top guys. But you could offer all the five-star guys you want. You could have three five-stars commit. If one of them is a cancer, two of them leaves. I mean, one of them leaves during the winter break and go and transfers out. I mean... It's not even, you know, basketball. There is such a talent. The talent gap in basketball is narrowing um, every single year between the elite and the average player. I say that's opposite in football, where the gap, it seems like it's like widening. Um, the gap is narrowing every single year in college basketball. It's so much more about getting the right kids. Not necessarily the best kids. You can have, you can have a kid who is number fifteen on the court, and a kid who was number sixty on the court. And number sixty is going to give him hell, all because he's doing things by you know by the way he was coached. While number fifteen may be out there thinking of, I got to make sure that I drop this many points, or I'm concerned about this. Or I have my circle saying I got to do this and that. My camp is saying I got to do this and that. Like you don't need those cancers. So if these five-star guys, if they are what Jawan wants as a player, great. If he's just getting these guys just from a talent standpoint, that can kill a team. That can kill a team. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, that these are that these are players that fit whatever Juwan wants to do. Hopefully, these are players that fit the new Michigan basketball. That's all I want. That's all I want. It's not about high-profile NBA guy. Like, that means absolutely nothing. Penny is down in Memphis. He has been in on the AAU circuit for a while. He's been in high school sports for a while. He's kind of like dug in the grassroots a bit. He's getting a bunch of highly ranked players. May or may not turn into wins, but they're really, really good players. He could he could have easily recruited two or three cancers where he's going to have a hard time getting to the tournament. Who knows? So you got to really recruit for the kid and the person that they are as well as how talented they are. All right, next, we got what five players would your ideal 2020 class have in it? Zeb Jackson has won already. Um, 
All right, ideal. I think I went over this kind of. Zeb, huge. I think Jace is going to be there, so we're just going to add him. I think he's going to commit probably in the next couple months or so. He'll probably be an early signing period guy. Um, So of the next three spots, I would – I I want I do want a Michigan guy in there. Uh, Scooby Johnson will be great. I would love him in there. Scooby's going to be a three or four year player. Namari Burnett's going to be good, and then either Walker Kessler or Hunter Dixon Dickinson because we're going to need a big. Um, our bigs are in their sophomore year at minimum now, so we're going to need. Uh, we're going to need a big badly from the uh, 2020 group for sure, for sure. Um, so getting Walker or getting Dickinson is going to be big right there. And they'll probably be able to um, fight for playing time right away. By their sophomore year, it'll be – it should be their team. Um, if you can only pay one player big money, do you choose Dak or Zeke? Zeke, 100%. Zeke, Dak isn't even good, bro. Like, this whole Cowboys thing is driving me crazy. Like, they have a chance. They have a chance to make some noise this year. They have a chance to go, you know, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, and then, you know, you know, get to the playoffs and do some things. Why? You know, Dak turned down 30 when he's worth 15. If that, because he wants 40. Dude, let that man. I am. I am so frustrated at this whole situation. It's it's un it's unreal. It's unreal. Pay Zeke. Stop disrespecting him to the media, Jerry Jones. Pay the man. Get him in a helmet, and let's get and let's get to work. Dak, franchise him. Draft a quarter. Draft a good quarterback, and let that dude go. Easy. Dak thinks Dak thinks he's like really, really nice. Like, no, like you are not you are not good like that. And why do you want all that money? Like, why do you want 40 mil? Like, we have like over 50 other dudes that we have to pay. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. Tom Tom Brady took less to make sure that certain guys around him could get paid. Tom Brady with all the rings. Come on. <sighs> Man, that got me worked up, Bruce. Come on. All right. Eric Dale asked me, who will have a better career at Michigan out of the Wagner Bros? If Franz only stays a year, we can compare best. Um, It is really hard. It is really, really hard to have a better career than what Mo did. You know, Mo was a first-round draft pick. He he led Michigan to back-to-back Big Ten tournament championships. He led Michigan to the national title game. I mean, you have big shoes to fill. I don't think France is going to be able to impact the game like Wagner did because Wagner was a big who could do a lot of things. There's a lot of guards out there and wings out there. Um, I think France is going to be very, very good. 
But it's going to be hard to top two Big Ten tourney championships and a, um, and a national title game. Antoine Walker, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? Guy can go come back and play now. I don't think about playing now, but he should definitely be in the, be in the Hall of Fame because he's a beast. All right. M. Go Burner asked me, favorite Coldplay song? Woo! I love, for those who don't know me, I love Coldplay. I love Coldplay. Like, I I am always in the mood for Coldplay. So I have, like, I have like a road trip playlist. When, whenever I'm driving for over 30 minutes, I always play it. It's the same songs over and over and over, and I can't get enough of it. So, do I have a do I have a favorite? I have favorite songs, like not one song because each one hits you different. Like they all, I'm not gonna say they sound the same, but they all put me in the same mood. Like very chill, happy. You know, the sun's out, the sun's shining bright. Man, it's a great day. Um, so, Sparks is one. Magic. Clocks, Fix You, Speed of Sound, Talk, The Scientist, Trouble, Yellow, Adventure of a Lifetime, Viva La Vida, and Shiver. On repeat. On repeat over and over and over and over and over. I love Coldplay, man. Even talking about him right now just puts me in a good mood. Uh, who stays longer, Harbor at Michigan or Day at OSU? Uh, Day at Ryan Day is you no, know, he's still recruiting at a high level. I do think that Harbaugh does get it done against him this year. It's gonna be. The years after that, though, I mean, if you look at the way that Ohio State's been recruiting, I don't know when they're going to have a chance to beat them again. Um, It'll be Dylan McCaffrey's year next year, and he's a hell of a quarterback. But the way that Ohio Ohio State is out-recruiting Michigan right now on the trail, um, outside of 2019, but they had, I think think OSU had, had had a smaller class. But, um, hold on, now that I'm here, let me check, uh, let me check this right quick, because I'm pretty sure, yeah, because I'm pretty sure Michigan out-recruited them in 2019, um, but I'm more interested in 2020 right now. And Ohio State's fourth. They have already committed two five-stars and 11 four-stars. Yeah, Michigan sitting at 10. But, um, yeah, and their average recruit is a 92 out of 100. Uh, Michigan's is an 89. So don't, when you're looking at when you're looking at like the different teams and where they're ranked and all that stuff, 
Also pay attention to the number on the left where it says how many are committed, but below that, look at their average. Look at the recruit average. That really tells you, that really tells you, you know, like where they are um, in terms of the type of guys that, you know, they're, they're recruiting. Like Ohio State, two five stars next year, 11 four stars and nine three stars. Michigan has 13 three-stars, no five-stars, 11 four-stars. Um, I stargaze a little bit more when it comes to football because it's showing, you know, it has shown that, you know, the higher, the, the better recruits you get, I mean, the better your team usually does. I mean, if you look at the top, Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Georgia. I mean, Texas. I mean, if you look at the preseason top 10, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, they're all right there. They're all right there. So um, the way that these rankings fall, uh, it's, it is not a fluke. So I do pay attention a lot more to in like with stargazing with, uh, with the football team rankings. And if I go back to 2019 too, I do know that Michigan was, no, they were ranked number one in the conference while Ohio State was number three, um, which, is a, which is a good thing. Uh, but at the same time, let me look at a couple things. So Michigan, they finished 90.78. Two five stars, fourteen four stars. That, that's like you know, like that's really really good. That's really really good. And Ohio State had three five stars, nine four stars. Their average recruiting was still higher. They were at ninety one point eight seven, while Michigan was ninety point seven eight. So even they out recruited them in terms of ranking. You know, really pay attention to that sidebar of the quality of recruits of coming in, because that's that's just as important as um, as the final ranking number. So, just a heads heads up there. Uh, what is Isaiah Livers? Oh, sorry, um, I didn't even answer that. Who stays longer, Harborough, Michigan, or Day at OSU? Uh, I think I. I honestly think Harbaugh is going to be here for a long, long time. And I think if Day slips up a few years of losing to Michigan, going 8-4 and four or 9-3, nine and, or nine and three, they're not going to tolerate that in uh, Columbus. But heard the kids love him, and I heard he's a player's coach. So uh, hopefully he, he drops off a few pegs, and you know, hopefully recruiting slows down and and all that fun stuff, and it kind of stays down for a while, so Michigan can kind of turn the tide. Um, next question from Ryan Kraus: What is Isaiah Livers' ceiling as a pro? Is he a first-round guy this year? Um, if you had asked me this in the first week of June. You know, I would have said, you know, no, he's not really a first-round guy. Um, not this year. 
And, you know, when it comes to being a pro, he needs some things to work on. After seeing how teams are drafting, he is most definitely a first-round guy. Teams are finally wising up and not picking based off of potential. And they're not picking based off of athleticism only. I mean, they're not, they're finally no longer picking projects because they're realizing that doesn't work. Having a guy who's 6'10", who can't really shoot, but can really jump and play a little bit of defense, like those guys don't play in the league. There's no space for 6'10", skinny guys who can't shoot a jump shot. There's no space for you in the NBA. Livers is about 6'7", 6'8". He can really shoot the ball, which is going to be, um, which is going to be helpful for him. He can really shoot the ball if he can prove that he can make plays off the bounce, shooting at the same level or a little bit more is going to be nice. But if he can, if he can make plays off the bounce, and if he shows that he's more explosive too, yes, he most definitely has a chance to be a first round guy next year. And it sounds crazy, but you think I'm crazy. Look, dude, go back. Go back and take a look at the draft. Look how guys are drafting. Nasir Little dropped to, like, what, the 20s? I mean, that was like a, that was a lottery pick coming in. But, but teams are realizing, you know, you, you need guys who can shoot, guys who can score at multi, who can score, in multiple ways. Got to be able to, if you can shoot, you can finish at the rim, you were drafted pretty high. If you had a trouble, if you had trouble shooting the rock, you slipped automatically. So Isaiah has a shot. He's just, you'll know, get to that. If you know, get to that next level as a ball player, you'll be all right. How dumb is Dak Prescott? Super dumb. Um, Okay, thank you guys again, you know, thank you again for supporting me, thank you again for, you know, even, you know, on Twitter, you know, at times I do tweet too much, but a lot of times, you know, it's, it's, it's always good to just strike up convo, it's almost football season, I can't wait, thank you guys again for, for listening in, if you have any suggestions, please, 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 leave them in the comments, if you have any further questions, leave them in the comments, um, I'm always open for ideas. Um, Middle Tennessee State coming up. I'm going to try to get someone in here to talk about that. And uh, you should be expecting something like that uh, sometime next week. Once again, thank you for watching another episode of You Can't Guard Me. Holla at your boy. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started. At Simple Mobile, you get the no contract advantage. Those other mobile companies make you think you're in control, but you're really not. Simple Mobile is different. You can get a powerful nationwide 5G network all without a contract. It's the reliability you need when you need it. With no mystery fees, no activation fees, and no contract ever. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, 
in with the simple. 5G capable device and SIM required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. 5G upload speeds not yet available.